Thank you for listening to Quest Church San Diego. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at questsd.com. Again, that's questsd.com. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. Thank you for listening. going to be continuing a study that we started in the beginning of the year, in January. In fact, I think it was my brother that mentioned to me a couple days ago, it was the 23rd, he said, did you realize that there's six months till Christmas? Today is the six month till Christmas, Mark. And I instantly got a little bit of stress. I figured I would just go shopping on Amazon for all the gifts that I need to get. But uh, we've got six months. But it also reminded me how quickly, but also how slowly time can go. Maybe this first half of the year is gone by quick or slow, sometimes a mixture of both, but uh, we started looking at Paul's letter to the church church in Corinth uh, at the beginning of the year, and we saw how Paul planted this church during his second missionary journey, and uh, as he was away, there were some issues and struggles, challenges that rose up in the church, and so Paul, through these two letters that we have in our scriptures, some scholars suggest there was two other letters that we don't have here. But uh, Paul was addressing these as a pastor and addressing the issues of division uh, as well as compromise with uh, worldly influences and uh, some leadership issues that were in the church. And so the church suffered from these issues and Paul was addressing them in his letters, more so in 1 Corinthians, but in 2 Corinthians as we rolled into that over the past couple of weeks, we've seen Paul open up his heart a little bit more to the church and reveal some of the challenges and struggles that he has experienced in ministry. And yet, he is also reminding the church of God's comfort and God's grace and the fact that God is working uh, in his life even though he feels weak and vulnerable. The power and the strength of God is perfected in his weakness. So Paul starts off 2 Corinthians with the promise of God being the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our sorrows and troubles. And uh, we also see Paul describe some of the sufferings that he experienced in uh, the previous chapters. But then last, uh, well, a couple weeks ago when we were studying chapter 5, one of the more famous verses and chapters of the Bible that talk about how if we are in Christ, we're a new creation. The old has passed away and all things become new. And so Paul uses this term for metamorphosis. It's a radical transformation, kind of like a caterpillar to a butterfly or a tadpole to a frog, that in Christ we are made new. And Jesus repairs our old identity with a new reality. And that new reality tells us that we are a new creation in Christ. We have been born again by the work of Christ on the cross. And as a new creation, the old has passed away. And who's thankful that the old things in your background and in your closet are made new? I am. I'm very grateful for that. God has redeemed and restored the years that I destroyed in my life. And yet we see this new creation, but ultimately there's a new relation and a new relationship. And the word that Paul uses there is reconciliation. We have been reconciled with God. The most important relationship that you and I have is with our Creator, God, and our loving Heavenly Father. And that relationship has been restored. And when that 
relationship is restored and reconciled, we have a new vocation or a new activity or a new job to be ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through you and I as ministers and co-laborers and workers with God to reach people who are far from God, to teach them to follow Jesus and to launch them out to serve God in the world. That really is the heart of our vision uh, here at Quest Church. And maybe you've ever, I don't know if you've ever wondered why our church is called Quest. Well, in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, we see that if you, the Bible says that if you seek God with all your heart, you'll find him. And then Jesus comes along in the New Testament during his ministry. And uh, he says that the Son of Man, speaking of himself, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so we desire for Quest to be a church for those who are seeking God will find him. And those who have found him will go out and seek and find more people. That they would be brought close and reconciled in relationship to God. And so in this new vocation and ministry that we have all received from the Lord, this has all come about by the new solution, and that solution is through Jesus Christ. And so I, I mentioned that just to kind of get us caught up to speed on the past couple of weeks when we were studying chapter 5, but it ties into what we're going to be discussing today. The title of the message is Marks of a Christian, but you might see in your Bible uh, there in the beginning of chapter 6, the marks of the ministry. Now, Paul is going to talk specifically about the struggles that he has experienced in ministry, but I think more broadly speaking, we see the qualities of a Christian here described in chapter 6 and chapter 7. You've probably heard me say it before, and the Bible teaches us that salvation is not the finish line, it's the starting line. When you are made new in Christ, it doesn't mean that you automatically get the you know, pass through hell free card or whatever, <laughs> however you want to say it, uh, and uh, you punch your eternal time clock. No, salvation is the, uh, it's not the finish line, it's the starting line. It's the starting line to sanctification, to being made more pure and holy like the person of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is going to describe this process in these chapters. And the point for us to remember today is that godliness is the quality of Christianity. Godliness. Now, we'll see this in three ways. It's a very simple outline for these chapters. One is we're going to see that a servant of God is blameless in the activities of ministry. Uh, secondly, we're going to see that a follower of God has holiness in their lives through the work of Christ and being separate from the world. And then thirdly, we're going to see that the Word of God brings righteousness through conviction, and uh, it teaches us where our lives uh, are not holy before the Lord. So there's a lot to get to. We're going to jump into verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. So Paul connects what he said previously in the previous chapter with these words of being a worker, as an ambassador, as a representative and a minister of Jesus Christ. And that's for every single one of us who are made new in Christ. It's not the person who is up on the platform behind the pulpit or someone who's gone to seminary who has the degree, the religious or theological degree. It's for every single one of us who have been called by God, been given gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, have a unique role and ministry to play in 
reaching people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, as workers together, Paul reminds them, this is this plea in the beginning, and the plea is not to take the grace of God in vain. Not to say, well, okay, now I'm a new creation, now I'm forgiven, now I'm cleansed, now I can go on living any way I want. In fact, Paul would say in some of his other letters to the churches that uh, God's grace sustains us and that it is God's grace that makes us holy. It's not works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. And uh, I love what Paul uses here, the terms, the acceptable time, that God hears and God helps. Maybe that's an encouraging word for you today in whatever you might be experiencing. You think that no one hears you and no one is listening. In fact, the Bible says that God inclines his ears to our pleas and to our cries. He is near to the brokenhearted and saves such as has a contrite spirit. That God hears and he helps. If we call upon him, God will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. But it is an, an acceptable time in a time frame of God's choosing and of God's plan. The older I get, the more I realize how fragile life is. I know it took me a long time to figure that out, but uh, how quickly time goes by as well. And uh, we were just talking about this, uh, Sarah and I, uh, with the family the other day, and we started getting a couple tears in our eyes because we realized with our oldest daughter, we only have two more summers before she's off to college. Well, we wanted her to stay to college, stay here and go to college somewhere here so we can keep her longer, but only two more summers, and we realized, where did the time go? Can anyone relate to how quickly time is just flying by and oftentimes we think well I have more time no we don't have more time it time can change so quickly and we're not guaranteed tomorrow things can happen that are completely out of our control and the Bible here says in an acceptable time hear God's voice and he will hear your voice when you call to him and he will help you behold now is the acceptable time Paul says behold now is the day of salvation we give no offense, verse 3, in anything, that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers to God. And as a minister of God, this is what Paul has signed up for. This is what comes with being a servant, an ambassador, and a minister of God. We commend ourselves in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, and in distresses. Yay, sign me up for that. We have a sign-up sheet in the lobby outside. You guys can sign up for that. Yeah, I want more patience. Yeah, okay, well, God was going to teach me patience by putting me through the fire, by putting me through pain. God uses pain to bring about patience in our lives. We also see tribulations and needs and distresses in stripes, that is, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fasting. This is the marks of Paul's ministry, but it also is a little indication of what it's going to be like when you die to yourself, you pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus Christ. It's very rare to find a servant and a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ like this, uh, who is seeking to please the will of the Father and also seeking to minister and to serve other people. And he says, I don't want to have an offense in any way. So in these opening verses, Paul describes that a servant of God is blameless even through the afflictions that you may experience when you serve the Lord. And the priority that Paul has here is to make sure that he is uh, not an offense to anybody. And, uh, you know, when you see 
this type of individual. Or you see that it just takes a moment in order to destroy the trust. One thing I learned when I was in the Navy, uh, I was working on the flight deck, and uh, we worked with multi-million dollar aircraft and uh, launch and recovery, and we were parking these aircraft in, within inches of one another on the flight deck out in open sea. And uh, every single day, we had flight quarters and flight quarters and flight quarters, and you built up trust, and you didn't have any mishaps, you didn't have any crunches, you didn't have any crashes. If you did, it was multi-million dollars. But I realized that if you had just one, you destroyed or you eliminated all of the weeks, months, or even years that you didn't have a mishap. And the true is same of even in relationships. It takes a lifetime to build trust, but only a moment to destroy it. And Paul is saying that he desires to live his life in a blameless way so that there wouldn't be any evidence. Now, unfortunately, maybe we see ministers or pastors or even churches that fail, that fall because of impropriety and because of sin. And it's kind of like those sinkholes that you would read about maybe in like Florida where on the surface there's concrete and there's uh, asphalt and there's grass and there's trees, but over decades of time, underwater erosion just makes this void in this cavity. And then there's a car or there's someone walking or there's some event and the sinkhole completely collapses. That's true of our own lives. If there's compromise or there's areas of evidence that is not pleasing to the Lord, then what happens is it creates voids that are very fragile. And at any moment we can implode. And we see that with churches where this church, even in Corinth, can you imagine the witness that this church had in their community as Paul was addressing those issues in 1 Corinthians? We spent many months looking at sexual immorality, at uh, divisions, at wars and fights, and at Christians taking other Christians in the church to court. Now, you have to remember that back in this time, there wasn't other churches that you could just go off to. Oh, I don't like what's going on there. Or I like the speaker there. I like the worship there. I like the fellowship there. I like the donuts there. I like the coffee there. Sure, that's how surface we are when it comes to decisions like this. There were no other options in the city of Corinth. It was the church in Corinth. And so this church had an unfortunate reputation for being, some, being a church of Christians who were backbiting and murmuring and fighting and complaining. And Paul says, I don't want to have any blame in the ministry. I don't want to see any tarnish in the person of Jesus Christ, not only in my life, but in the ministry. And so Paul makes it a priority here to be blameless, but also to endure the sufferings that come. Now, uh, Paul also leans upon the love and the power of Christ. Look in verse 6. But by purity and by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, he is sustained. Even in the distress and the pain that Paul experiences, we all can understand that we cannot serve God without some form of suffering. Peter says it very clearly that those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, will suffer trials. But it seems to be a bit of a paradox. Paradox is a seeming contradiction. That even though I'm pleasing and serving the Lord, why are these difficult and hard things happening to me? It's tempered. Notice the pain is tempered 
with the patience of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love and the power. And I love this because God's love here, as Paul describes, it trickles down or it drips in to the fickle moments of life. What I mean by fickle is that life changes so quickly. The emotions that we experience on a day-to-day go up and go down. I mentioned that we did some day trips and we went to Belmont Park. And uh, who likes roller coasters? Let me see a show of hands. Roller coasters, good. All right. I need you guys with me in that line because my family doesn't like roller coasters. I'm like, that thing looks awesome. Let's do it. And I'm that guy. I'm the guy in the line all by myself. But it's cool because I can kind of get way up front and I can get on there. I like the ups and the downs and the whips and the twirls and going all crazy fast. Uh, And uh, so my family's just up there saying, wow, I hope he's having a good time. But uh, they're like, no way, that's going to freak me out. And now my daughter, Rachel, she, she'll watch it first and see if it's too intense, and then she'll join me. she join me on a couple. But it just reminds me of the emotional roller coaster that life is when we are following Jesus. It's up and it's down. It's full of pain. It's full of joy. It's full of heartache. It's full of success. It's full of triumph. It's full of weakness. It's full of strength. Up and down. Just maybe in the last 10 minutes you experienced Many of those things. But Paul says by purity, by the knowledge of God, by love, and by power, and by strength. Now Paul knew that this is what he was going to experience. You remember Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul. And as the man Saul, Saul was persecuting the church and killing Christians and throwing them into prison. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him and said, Why are you fighting against me, Paul? You can't win this battle. Join the team, serve me, and I will show you how much you will suffer for my name's sake. However, my strength will be perfected in you, for my grace will be sufficient for you, and I will give you strength. And, uh, you know, we were doing another uh, project during our little staycation at the house, and we were installing drip system stuff for some of the plants. And uh, if you've ever done that, well, you know it's a lot of work, but you got to think it out. And there's a water source, a main water source, and then out of that main water source comes a manifold. And at the manifold is where all the smaller little tubes go to drip and to water your plants. Uh, Because that manifold actually reduces the pressure of the main main water source so that you don't blow out those small little drip tubes and the little drip things that are feeding and watering the plants. And I thought, wow, that's a good analogy that stress is so intense in our lives that the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of his love and his power and of his strength, are constantly providing for us. And at any moment would just drip, 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 trickle his love and his strength in the moments of pressure that we're experiencing. And uh, the plants on a hot day like this are very grateful for the drip system, right? They're very grateful to be refreshed by the water, and so am I. When stress and pressure is so intense, I feel like I'm just going to burst. But the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul describes here, by sincere love, by his patience, and by his grace, he is uh, sustaining me, even though the world is just not making sense. And he talks about how his reputation is being attacked as well. Look at this in verse 8. By honor, as a servant of Christ, but by dishonor through the words of others, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, 
as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. That seems like a paradox. It doesn't seem to make sense. But yet, Paul signed up for this as a minister and a servant, and he realizes that in Christ it's possible to be worldly poor, but spiritually rich. When you set your mind on things above, to be focused on uh, things that really matter in life, then there is a spiritual richness to our lives when we serve the Lord instead of running after the things of this world. So do you see the transition here from the previous chapter describing this powerful work of salvation, the new creation in Christ Jesus? Now, what do we do with this new reality that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we don't take it for granted. We don't abuse it. And we don't think that we can live our own certain way. No, God is calling us to live a life of blamelessness before others. I think I heard it said once that live our lives in such a way that if people were looking for evidence, they couldn't find it. Evidence of, uh, of offense, evidence of a stumbling block, offense to God as well as an offense to others. And Paul is going to call the church as well as us to a place of reckoning, to a place of acknowledgement. Uh, also to a place of conviction and confession. And we see that in verse 11, Paul continues on by saying, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Bielo? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Everyone say separate. So, God intends His people to be holy and separate, distinct looking from the world, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, verse 1 of chapter 7, summary statement. Therefore, having these promises, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Everyone say holiness. So these two words are tied together in what Paul says about a follower of God, that a follower of God has holiness through separation, through being distinct. God has called us out. In fact, that's what the word church means. It's a compound word joined together. Uh, ecclesia, those who are called out to be separate and distinct for the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul uses this word yoke to be no joke. And that was a little bit of a joke for you, just to give you a chuckle. This yoke is no joke. Uh, a yoke was a device used to bind two animals together so that they could, you know, work together. And when you are in a yoke, you need to work together in order to accomplish the mission. And uh, Paul says to be bound together with non-believers is going to be detrimental to your spiritual development and maturity. Now that's a bit confusing for us because if we take these words literally, then where would we live? Where would we be? We'd have to be 
recluses and monks or something without any contact with anybody. But that's not the case of what Jesus intends for you and our lives in Christ. In fact, we are to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are to let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So he's not talking about the location. He's talking about character and the condition of our heart and the compromises or the influences that we would have with the world. And this yoke, he says, don't be bound together because Paul warns of the negative impact the world has on believers. The filthiness, as Paul goes on to describe, that we should cleanse ourselves from. Because this yoke that the world has uh, upon us has the tendency, not to be a joke, but to choke you and I. To choke us out from being effective servants and followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, the world will suffocate the godly virtues in our lives when we accommodate the values of the world. If we're accommodating them or compromising with them or allowing them to have influence or impact or cozying up with them, they will inevitably suffocate the virtue of holiness and the blamelessness and the righteousness that Paul describes in these chapters to choke the effectiveness of our lives for Jesus Christ out. That's why God spoke. And when God spoke, He said, I want you to be separate. I want you to be distinct. I want you to look differently. You see, this is the process of sanctification. There is an initial sanctification of being made holy through the regeneration of Christ's work on the cross, but there's also a progressive sanctification that God is doing in our lives, making us more holy so that there would be the image and the character and the person of Jesus Christ seen in the reflection of our lives versus more of Sherwood. We don't need more Sherwood. We need more of Jesus and put your name there that the Lord Jesus Christ would be molding and shaping and removing and challenging and convicting and changing our lives to look more holy. I think we were praying earlier this morning for all of you who were on your way as a team. And uh, someone mentioned a scripture verse that says that we should be uh, holy, offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable act of worship and service. But oftentimes we think that holiness is perfection, and none of us are perfect. We can't be perfect. We're going to mess up. There's always going to be issues. There's going to be challenges. So holiness is not perfection, but sanctification from the filthiness of this world. It's a continual and a gradual growth, maturity, when we realize that our lives uh, have evidence of filthiness, of things that are offensive, of things that... uh, are offensive to the Lord, the one who is holy. In fact, the Bible says, be holy as God's people, for I am holy. Now, friends, it is a lot easier to stand up here and say that than to live it. It's very difficult to live according to the holiness of Christ. So I would just encourage us, is your life moving more towards sanctification or more towards this world, more towards the worldly influences. And oftentimes when we read scriptures like this, it may be a little uncomfortable, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to bring about a refining fire in the people of God because I can't think of a more important time in the history of our world than to have God's people holy 
filled with the purity and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the love of God and the strength of God and the boldness of God and the courage of God being lived out through this broken people that are assembled together to be the church and the bride of God. That's what the world needs to see. They need to see authenticity. There's the word. Authenticity and genuineness Not only acknowledging our weakness and not that we are perfect. There's other churches, I think, that have a slogan, no perfect people allowed. I kind of like that because as soon as you're looking for and you found that perfect church, well, the fact that you're in it, it's not perfect anymore, right? You've probably heard that before. The fact that I'm in it, as soon as I step into a perfect church, I guess it's not perfect anymore. Not I guess, I know. But it's which direction are we moving? as the progression of being made holy and perfect. He says, perfect holiness by cleansing yourself of all filthiness. Friends, this is when we let the Holy Spirit look and examine our hearts and examine our lives. And we will end with this by understanding that it is God's Word that illuminates the filthiness in our lives. Look at verse 2 of chapter 7. Open your hearts to us, Paul says. Be open to receiving from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Pastor Paul. He's writing these letters. In fact, Peter says in his epistle, Peter calls Paul's letters Scripture. And so, not only do we have Paul's letters as Scripture in our Bible, but we also know that these letters being written are through the Holy Spirit for the church in Corinth's instruction, but also for us. Be open. Are you open to to hear and to receive from the Lord Jesus Christ or people in your life who would speak truth and life and the word of God? It's it's, It's a major contrast from the worldly influence that will reprogram you because we're watching the media or we're tuned into social social media. I'll tell you what, um just personally it's been, I think, over six months that I've been on Facebook, and I, I am so happy. <laughs> it is amazing. It is just so freeing so that you're not just consumed with other people's lives or you're consumed with trying to put up a life that other people can see. I'm not saying that Facebook is bad, and if you're on Facebook, you're evil or you're filthy. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that don't fall for the traps of this world. Be renewed in your mind by the Word of God and have spiritual discernment on the things that are happening around you because there is a spiritual warfare and a battle for your soul. Social media can be, it's a neutral thing. It can be used for good or for bad, but it also can be used just to sap hours and months and joy, in fact, out of our lives. And so... Paul says, be open. How are, you, how, how are we open to God's word? Well, we get up and we say, God, speak to me through your word. God, I want to hear you. I want to worship you. I, wanna, I want to uh, go to church today and fellowship with the body of Christ. Be open. We have not wronged you, Paul says. We haven't corrupted anyone. We haven't cheated anyone. I do not say this to condemn, for I said before, that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Paul's heart bled openly for this church. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in our tribulation. That's a hard thing to say. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, 
But we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Sounds like our world today. Nevertheless, I love that word. It's such a transition from the despair of the world to the promise and hope of Christ. Nevertheless, when Christ is in our lives, God comforts the downcast. And he comforted us by the coming of Titus. I love how God uses people, ordinary people, to bring the comfort, to be the dispatcher of comfort in our lives. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he has com- was comforted in you. And when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a little while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. Everyone say repentance. So repentance is not just feeling sorry for your sin. Repentance is a change of mind and a change of direction, moving in one direction and completely changing course. That's the repentance in the Scriptures. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be rejected. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Now look at what this repentance produced in their lives. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things. You proved yourselves to be clear in this manner. Do you desire to have more zeal and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you desire to be on fire for God? Do you desire have to have a pure and cleansed heart before a holy and just God? Then the Bible says there must be a brokenness over our sin. There must be a conviction of our sin. Listen, friends, this type of message is not a seeker-friendly message, and it's not an easy message, but it is a message from heaven for all of us to hear because the godly sorrow produces repentance. And oftentimes, as I have either read my Bible or been in worship or in fellowship at home uh, at Life Group, I have had the Holy Spirit or the Lord Jesus Christ bring things to the surface of my heart that I didn't even know were there. As I'm reading the scriptures, the Bible says it, God's word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It has the ability to cut into the intents of the heart, that it is profitable, meaning it is good for doctrine and teaching, for reproof. Reproof is a very important thing. It's kind of like when you were back in school and you had to write an essay or a paper and you sent that essay to your, well, in, if you were in high school or junior high, maybe your parents, or uh, later in graduate school, you sent it to an editor And uh, that editor read through all of that paper, and they marked it up in red, and uh, you saw all of your errors that you had to fix. The same is true of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in conjunction with an open heart and an open mind to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are going to be markups in your life. There are going to be things that the Holy Spirit starts illuminating and underlining and highlighting. And there's little marks to the side, margins of your life saying, you need to work on this, Sherwood. Sherwood, wow, I didn't, you didn't even know that was in there. But this needs to be dealt with. 
there's a conviction and a godly sorrow, but it comes with having an openness to God. That the Word of God, Paul says, in an extension of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth, that the Word of God brings righteousness through conviction. Conviction is a good thing when it's the Holy Spirit. His request is that they would be open to this type of conviction. But he was also relieved, relieved that over many uh, months and many letters, as Pastor Paul continued to preach and continued to write and continued to share and continued to visit the church in Corinth, they were starting to repent. They were starting to change. They were starting to respond to the Word of God in their lives, and they were beginning to bear fruit. And this brought Pastor Paul so much relief and comfort because now they were beginning to get on fire for God. And there was a spark of holiness. All the revivals that we would see in church history began or had as a common denominator in the spiritual awakenings and the spiritual revivals in our history all dealt with a holiness and a purity and a conviction and a brokenness over sin. Can you imagine the church and the bride of Christ coming to an altar and just confessing our sin before the Lord? No, we want to hide it. We want to cover it up. We want to put some makeup on. We want to put a filter on it. Everything's got a filter nowadays to make it look glossier, to make it look prettier, to make it look better than it is. But sometimes, friends, the best thing that the Lord knows that you and I need is to remove and to see life in real colors. That's what I was talking about with social media for me personally. I'm beginning to live life with people face-to-face in real time. And Jesus wants to do the same for us in our lives, to remove the filters, to bring the sense of holiness, but also to do that through the body of Christ. Notice Paul says, I was comforted by the coming of Titus. God's comfort comes oftentimes through people. And people, when they are used by God, lighten our load and help carry the heavy burdens that we have in life. But just kind of in closing, we'll have our worship team come on up after two weeks off. I can talk a lot longer than I probably should, but it's good. We need to hear the Lord speak to us. And I know And when we read scripture, and when we're in a room this size, and for those who are joining us online, even through the internet, God through the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. It's not Sherwood. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what, dare I say, filthiness is lurking in the dark corners of our heart. And he's bringing that to the surface right now as we sing this closing song so that you could confess it to Jesus. So that you could be uh, cleansed. What clearing of conscience and of soul. You see, a serious conviction over sin leads to a sincere conversion of the soul. There's a conversion that takes place, a changing that takes place when there is a serious brokenness over our own personal sin, let me encourage you to take that time with the Lord as we sing this song because there's wonderful takeaways for us today. I think there's a challenge to eliminate any of the worldly evidence that might be influencing or impacting our lives, but also to evaluate how our lives can honor and please the Lord Jesus Christ by ultimately escalating the seriousness 
of those things that may be causing offense to God, causing offense to others, and uh, keeping us from looking like Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time this morning in your word, looking at the marks or the qualities of a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Maybe nowadays that word Christian is a loaded term. I don't know. There's so many layers that we put on, political layers, media layers, all this stuff that can confuse us with the reality of what it means to just follow Jesus, live out his commands, love one another, represent Christ, live blameless before the Lord, have holiness to be separate, to be distinct. Well, oftentimes, Lord, we confess we just want to fit in. We just, we don't want to stand out. We don't want people to see us. But yet, we want people to see Jesus in us. So help us to see the perfection of holiness made in our lives and give us a deep sense of conviction over the things that are not pleasing to you. We love you, God. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.